Second Samuel chapter seven. Vayikia Shava Melech Biveto. The king was settled in his palace, and God had granted him safety or respite from all his enemies. In the previous chapter, David, King David, has succeeded in bringing the ark to the city of David, to Jerusalem. And that is a very important. David has a capital city. David is king over Israel. And now, the ark having come to Jerusalem, and David having respite from all the enemies, So the king, King David speaks to Natan, who's a prophet. Rihena, see here. Here I am dwelling in the house of cedar, while the ark of the Lord abides in a tent. So what David is saying is, I am in the capital, I have my my palace, my building, but by contrast, God lives behind the curtains, because the Mishkan is essentially, as described in the Torah, constructed from a set of curtains. It's a set of spaces demarcated by curtains. It's not a solid building. And I have not just the building, but I have a building, says David, the Beit Arazim, a house of cedars. The reference to a house of cedars is to chapter 5, verses 11 and verse 12. In the context, after David has captured Jerusalem from the Yavusi, it says, David, King Hiram of Tyre of Tzor sent envoys to David with cedar logs with carpenters, stonemasons. So he sends Atzei Arazim, a cedars. So the reference of I live in a house of cedar wood is actually real reference. It's, it's actually accurate. And it's true. David's house is made of cedars. The cedars of Lebanon. The cedars of Tzor, which is up north. And David remarks, this is this doesn't make sense. I live in a beautiful palace, but God lives behind a bunch of curtains. Implying, of course, that to the prophet, maybe I should uh, I should build God a house. If I have a house, certainly God deserves a house. Natan says, do what you is in your heart. Do what you wish. Ki Hashem for God is with you. That very night, so God speaks to the prophet, who had said, perhaps in retrospect, rashly, do what you wish, for God is with you. Gave him the green light. And now the, God says to the prophet, speak to my servant, to David. Will you build me a house to dwell in? So it's, it's a question. It's a rhetorical question. It's interesting, in the parallel story, which appears in Chronicles, there it's simply stated, you will not build me a house. But here it's put in terms of a question. Say to David, will you build me a house to dwell in? And the difference between the statement and the rhetorical question is, in my view, that the statement is not overtly critical. But God's questions typically 
are criticisms. Beginning with the first question in the Bible, the question God asked the human being, Ayeka, where are you? Which is not a question about geography. Where are you? What have you done? Here, it's a question. You're going to build me a house? There's something about David's desire to build the house which is represented here in terms of God's speech as a negative. A part of it could well be this idea that if I have a house, God should have a house. That's what David says. I have a house of cedars. God has a bunch of curtains. So there's a kind of mutuality implied in the in a statement. And God takes exception to that. You're going to build a house that I should dwell in, with Shifti. Ki lo yoshafti bebayit. Lumiyom haloti et b'nei Yisrael b'mitzrayim v'yalei omazeh. V'ayem italech b'yoel uvemishkan. I have from the day I brought the people out of Egypt to this very day. I have not dwelt in a house. I have moved about in tent and tabernacle. Whenever I moved about, wherever the Israelites went, the Mishkan travels with Israel. Or maybe they travel with the Mishkan. Did I ever approach any of the tribal leaders whom I appointed to care for my people Israel? Why have you not built me a house of cedar? In other words, if I wanted a house, I'd ask for a house. I haven't asked for a house because I don't want a house. I will determine the time and place. I will determine when this house, if a house is to be built, when it will be built. That's the reproach. Viata. And now, David. Speak to my servant David. Say to David, I took you from the pasture, from following the flock, to be ruler of my people Israel. Wherever you went, I was there. And I destroyed the enemies before you. I made for you a great name. Like the greatest people on earth. And I may establish the home for my people Israel. I plant them firm that they should dwell secure and tremble no more. Wicked people should not oppress them. The Lord declares to you, the Lord declares to you that God will establish a house for you. Now the sense over here of God's speech to Natan to be delivered to David is that you are to remind David of who David is, namely I took him from the pasture. And I took him for a reason. I took him because I wanted to protect my people. I don't want the oppressors to trouble them anymore. And that's your job, to defend the people, to defend my people. So there is a bit of a reprimand over here of sort of putting David down. Just remember who you are. 
You were nobody till I chose you. I took you from the pasture, and your job is to protect the people. Having said that, I will build for you a bayit. Now, the, the house that I'm going to build for you, the house that God will build for David, is not a physical house, is not a mishkan, is not a structure. But here the word bayit has a different meaning, which is a dynasty. Beit David. The house of David refers to the kingship. I'm going to establish your kingship. I will establish your kingship. And the speech continues, after you have died. I will establish his kingship through your descendant, your natural child. He will build a house for my name. And I will establish his throne forever. The point over here being that it's not just you don't build for me a house, I build for you a house. Let's understand who does what for whom. That's part of it. But there's also another message over here, which is that it has to be established when the kingship is established. Your kingship, the text implies, is not yet established. The kingship will only be established through your successor. And when that succession takes place, he will then build me a house. Notice, in addition, the difference between God's description of the house and the purpose of the house and what is stated earlier. Will you build, build me a house that I will dwell in? But when God speaks of the house that will be built, God does not say you build me a house to dwell in, to sit in, but rather, for my name. When the Torah speaks about God's special place, the place that God has chosen, the language of the Torah, in particular in the book of Dvarim, where God's name is present. God is not living in the house, suggests the text, but God's name is in the house. So there is an implication here that, first of all, the time is not yet come. The time is not ready. It's going to be through your descendant. And there is even an implication that it's not going to be so simple. Because in the next verse, in verse 14, I will be for him a father. He will be for me a son. And God's definition of that is that if he strays from the path, I will chastise him with the rods of people and with the affliction of mortals. In other words, it's not going to be so simple. I'll be a father, suggesting, by the way, that maybe David as a father has not done a very good job, which is certainly true in the book of Shmuel. Nonetheless, my loyalty will not depart from him as it left Saul. So the text here actually suggests, through God's speech, we have a long way to go. Your kingship is not yet established. And the reader perhaps anticipates already in chapter 7 that there's going to be trouble ahead and there will be trouble ahead. I would add to this an additional point about David's desire to build God's space, the Mikdash. 
And part of what is implied in the speech and David's response, in addition to what God is saying, we're not on the same level. I do for you, you don't do for me. It's not yet time. You haven't established the kingship. It's not so simple. All that is true. It's also true that no one person does everything. You are, at the end of the day, human. You are fragile and you are mortal. No one person can do everything. So yes, you can. the beginnings of the kingship, you have a city, you have Jerusalem, but the actual culmination represented by the temple, that can't be done by you. That has to be done by somebody else. No one person can do it. And I would add that even though there is a critique over here and a strong critique of David, at the same time, what does God call David? Avdi, my servant. God does appreciate David's desire to be a faithful servant and to do right by God. What God suggests is that there's something about David's thinking which is not totally on course.